Hello, welcome to Cats Got Your Tongue. This is our cat-based podcast in association with the charity Cats Protection. I'm your host, my name's Adam Brown, and I'm here to talk all things cat. In every episode of Cats Got Your Tongue, we speak to a celebrity guest about their cats and their journey and life involving cats. We've got some funny feline stories lined up for you, and we'll tackle your cat dilemmas as always. I'm not on my own when it comes to tackling with dilemmas because I've got uh, the lovely Nikki, our cat expert from Cats Protection. How are you, Nikki? You all right? Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm all right. I'm not too bad. I'm uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm uh, wearing another quite fetching cat print shirt again today. This is like my new thing, isn't it, now? I feel Amazing. Like There's pressure Loving every, it. Every, every time we record a podcast to have a different sort of cat-related shirt on. So, yeah, I've... Uh, I'm getting there, but yeah, it's costing me quite a bit of money in shirts. But yeah, I don't mind. It's got a cat on it. It's worth it. Um, and and it's a black cat. Exactly, exactly. Anything going on with you uh, recently, Nikki? So I've got a four-year-old daughter and um, I feel like she's joining our realms of like very invested cat lover because she's like, her in the relationship with our cat, Kato, who's a black cat, so I'm very partial to a black cat, has really taken that extra turn where he now like sits like on her lap in fact, she even said, "Like, oh, I can't, I can't get up to go to school because I've got a cat in my lap. What are you going to do?" This is, which is it. <laughs> that, that, she's learned very early. That's very great early behavior. on, great and he's behavior. like starting to sleep on her bed now, and she's so happy about it, and she feels like the chosen one, yeah. you know. So I'm like, I totally get where she's coming from. That's brilliant. That is, and that is the great excuse in it when you have a cat if it sits in yeah. your lap. You can't, that's it. Like, yeah, can't, I, I can't do yeah. anything. Like, I won't be doing any work. I can't do the washing up. I can't move because yeah, the cat's, I don't want to disturb the cat. So that's brilliant. Someone else will have to get you a drink because you can't I, possibly move. This is it, I know. <laughs> I don't want to disturb I don't want to disturb the princess. Uh, so that's brilliant. Even at the age of four, that's outstanding behaviour and uh, long may it continue. So Nikki, you're on hand to answer any questions that anyone listening might have, big or small. You can get in touch now. Give us a shout, pod at cats.org.uk. We also want your funny stories because let's face it, cats are hilarious and we've got cat related dilemmas as well so anything you've always wanted to know or maybe has always puzzled you about your cat we are here to help it's in something we like to call your cat's tales we're going to be going through them a little bit later on with this week's special guest who we're really excited to have on the podcast she's done work with cats protection before let's get her in so of course each week on cats got your tongue i'm joined by a guest who adores their cats just as much as i do and with me today is the Sunday Times bestselling author and founder of the breast cancer awareness charity Copperfield. It's Chris Hallinger. Hello, how are you? You okay? Hi. This is such a treat to talk about cats. Are you excited? Yeah, I actually am. <laughs> That's fine. You know what? This is what we like. It's I just love the complete unadulterated joy that people have when it comes to being able to talk about the cats freely without any judgment, yeah. without any people saying. Okay, we get it, mate. You like cats. But no, this is it. Yeah. This is a chance for us just to get it all out and just go, cats are amazing because they really are, aren't they? Yeah. And it makes a difference talking about cats instead of just cats all the time. It's quite great too. This is your so, chance to really get this, all, yes. the, all the cat chat out a now. A nice yeah. break. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think a good place to start, uh, as we always do in Cats Got Your Tongue, Chris, is to kind of get you to give us a bit of a flavor of your history of cats really is it something mm -hmm. that you've always had even from being a child have you always had cats yes yes i've i grew up with cats we um uh, i grew up in germany and we seem to be just surrounded by cats who we couldn't say no to sort of um adopting these cats adopted us in a way but um 
I don't know where these cats came from, but we we seem to always have a cat around and it became ours. I hope we didn't steal them from <laughs> anyone else, but I'm pretty sure we didn't. Um, and there were often kittens around too. It's, I think it's just where we were, where we grew up. There was just like lots of um, farms and things around. So there's always going to be kittens around, I suppose. Um, yeah. So I've, I've always, my, I, I don't know life without a cat, really. Yeah, you see, I've had a bit of an opposite experience in that I've only had a cat for three years. I never had one before that. Uh, so I'm... What, what made you decide to have one? Well, it was kind of like we were toying with the idea of it and then I had to, I got convinced to get one and I was a bit like, oh, I'm not too sure. I don't know. I'd never really had any pets, to be honest with you. I was never really... I just... We didn't really grow up in a pet household. Right. So I was like, oh, I'm not sure, like responsibilities and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah. we ended up... I, I was convinced to foster a, a cat for like two weeks. And then within the mm. first hour, I was like, yeah, we're keeping it. <laughs> keeping yeah. her. She's not going I back. I don't know how you can ever foster an animal without and then give it back again. And, 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 oh, and, and I think it was so a ploy, to be honest, and I fell for it. So, yeah, this is it. So yeah. I, I ended up, and now, I mean, I'm making up for lost time because I've become absolutely obsessed in the last three years. So, yeah. I know, And I couldn't imagine life without a cat now I, I will always have to have a cat in my life um no, so did you actually have a cat that was yours or was it always this kind of setup where there was various cats kind of coming and going was it like oh were they, were they just ones that came and went or did you have one that was like a family pet yeah no if if they arrived they stayed <laughs> All right, <laughs> they okay. stayed for good but they became the family pets um there's one cat that we had which we called baby Baby didn't come inside. Baby just got fed outside. But it's one of those very shy cats that wanted love, but also really didn't. So um, we kind of, yeah, we owned a baby as well, but baby didn't come inside. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we had various cats. And then when we when I moved to England, uh, I had to say goodbye to our family cat. And my dad looked after it after that. But um, that was hard to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then when we moved to England, we adopted another cat um, from Cats Protection, a black cat called Lucky. Oh. So yeah, and then eventually when I was like my own grown up, but I could decide these things myself, I that's when I got my own cat um, again from Cats Protection. And um, he was called Wilhelm. Um, <laughs> and he was called Wilhelm in the uh, in the centre. And I just thought, that's a he's a German cat. And because I was obviously half German, I was like, that's really spoke to me. And I and I, I guess some people change the names of the cats that they that they adopt from these places, but I was like, no, nah, there's no way I can change that name. He is yeah, it really spoke to me that he was called Wilhelm. I know what you mean about like when I've been to the adoption centres before, I think the name's kind of part of the charm as well. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I, I kind of love like yeah. you sort of fall in love with the cat and the personality, but also the name, because I was like my cat Ruby that was her name when we got her anyway. And I just can't imagine her as anything else. It just suits her yeah. so much. I was like, right. I, I couldn't change that name. It's unthinkable to me. And well, that's really cool though. And you had that instant kind of connection and you thought, right, this is the cat for me. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, time. that's what happens sometimes. So tell me about your current cat situation, because I do see, you know, on your social media, your cat is a very, very big presence. <laughs> yes. She's called Lady Marmalade and I adopted her from the Truro Cats Protection Centre and uh, she was around eight when I got her 
Um, and she had been um, taken into the center because she had an elderly owner who couldn't look after her anymore. So, and it breaks my heart whenever I really think about that. And I think, oh, wouldn't it just be great to be able to take these cats into these old people's homes and be like, your cat's still alive. Here she is. She's been well taken care of by me. Yeah, it was uh, heartbreaking, but also I was very lucky to have her. And yeah, she was called um, Lady in the center and then I was like lady's not enough she needs something else and that's when I added the marmalade amazing name I love it <laughs> brilliant <laughs> just add the extra bit of sassiness to it I like it yeah um, I'm very well aware of what lady marmalade looks like just from the social media presence that mm-hmm. she has but uh, for anyone listening try and describe lady marmalade I'm talking about appearance personality what kind oh. of cat she is well she's a a tall bee which means uh, she's a mix between tortoiseshell and tabby cat. And uh, so it's just a real mix of colours, really. Um, not special about her, just a common old cat. But uh, she is very loving, incredibly needy. And Nikki, I'm so glad you're here because you need to help me understand <laughs> why. <laughs> She's got an obsession with licking herself and making herself really sore at the moment. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, bless her. And um, I did speak to this French cat communicator who's also, who also does Reiki on cats. And um, she said it's because I leave her and she gets really stressed about it. And she's also really worried about my health. She worries that I'm getting ill and that's what's stressing her out. There's not much I can do about that. The cancer is what yeah. it is. It's it, I've had it for 14 years. I can't get rid of that. But it's, if the, you've got any ideas about how she can be less stressed about oh. me, that would be excellent. No worries. <laughs> um, whereabouts in the body is she grooming? Um, Her back and her neck and her head. I mean, first and foremost, we'd always recommend getting a vet check um, for her just to make it sure there's ruling out any medical reasons because there's all sorts of different things that can cause them to overgroom. Um, so skin conditions as being one of them and there's a whole skin protocol to rule out for that side of things uh, pain is another so cats will groom when they're in pain so that's why I ask where that they're grooming and this is why you'll need to relay this to the vets as well because um, say for example she was grooming around her sort of inside thighs and groin area and sometimes the tummy lower part of the tummy that can indicate they have cystitis for example and that's one of the ways it's picked up is just the fact they groom that area yeah. um, the other thing to really notice is um is she licking the hairs out? Is she pulling the hairs out? Or is she doing what's called barbering, where they chew half the hair and it's got a kind of spiky feel? Because again, that has different differentials as to what it could be. So with all the medical side to do first, and get that all ruled out. Um, the vet still might want to do your sample anyway, we'll see. Um, and then if they're like, no, no, she's completely healthy, we think it's behavioral, that's when you go down the behavioral route. Um, so it's hard to say just like off the top of the head mm-hmm. without being able to yeah. do a full consult with yeah. you or anything. Yeah. But just some general tips in, in terms of how to do stress reduction. Things like a pheromone diffuser such as Fellaway can be really helpful. Um, it diffuses over oh, it diffuses over 70 square foot, so it depends on the size of your house as to whether you need one or two. Um, and then making sure she has a um predictable consistent routine you know cats love their routine so they don't like anything that changes too much they like that, that predictability uh, making sure it's got plenty of hiding places all over the house um 
and lots of resources. They they like one resource per cat plus one extra because uh, they like a bit of choice. Making sure that like food bowls are away from water bowls, for example. And then it's about looking at cat based stresses or things that can worry a cat. The most common one being other cats. So um, it could simply be a cat in the garden, for example, that might have moved in recently. No, it's well, not that. She, well, she doesn't go out. So no, but even indoor only cats, they can still be bothered by other cats coming into the garden because they can see them. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it's a case of like blocking off the site to the garden, depending on what's going on. So, for example, yeah. if you're particularly vigilant at a particular window, then you can put like a, a frosting sticky film thing yeah. onto the windows. Uh, patch test first and um just to block the view but um it needs to be done at cat height when I first joined cat protection I was advising somebody and I said about like, blocking the view I hadn't given lots and lots of information and I found out that two weeks later that they just shut all the curtains in the house <laughs> and we're living in the dark and I was like oh no I don't mean that I don't mean that make yeah, sure that you, there's don't need daylight light. anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> just just block the like, like the lower portion of the window so yeah. they can't see out and then interactive play is a really good stress reliever. So fish and rod toy play, that kind of thing, only for a few minutes, a couple of times a day. Introducing feeding enrichment, which is like more mentally stimulating ways to eat. So like a cardboard egg box is a really great place to start. We have like um, the biscuits, if they're on dry food, that is, go into like where the eggs would normally sit. And then you yeah. you do need to show how to use it because um, you don't want to get them bored or frustrated. But yeah, you just sort of pour it out with your fingers and give them a couple of biscuits and then do it for a minute or two and stand back and have a go. Yeah. Let them have a go. Again, <laughs> my advice failed when I was new because um, I um, I failed to say for, for two minutes and someone came back to me and said, oh, Nikki, I've done what you've said. And they've been batting this puzzle ball around on the floor themselves for two hours and the cat just doesn't understand. It just follows and eat the biscuits. And I was like oh no yeah they, they do understand they're just getting you to do the hard work <laughs> so a couple of minutes stand by let them have a go <laughs> and so like you say these are general stress relievers yeah. and if you get a qualified behaviorist in from the animal behavior and training council they can go through a much more detailed you know consultation with you really look at everything and then put something in that's a lot more um tailored to to you and your cat okay great but there's lots that can be done is yes. the good news yeah I don't yeah I don't think it's a lost cause I just no. um yeah it's irritating it's she I have a collar for her um which I put on her but she obviously doesn't enjoy wearing that either so yeah um well okay I will work on it together great sounds Thank good you. no worries so I mean that's kind of sets up quite nicely for what your cat likes to do in terms of entertainment like is the ways that is there certain toys that she likes what are the ways that you keep her entertained uh, Chris uh, I'm gonna put it down to the fact that she's now she must be like 13 now or, six, or 14 and um I mean she's never been a mover yeah. <laughs> she's never been a mover she'd much rather she's a bit more like me just like why move when you can just sit <laughs> so um, uh, she doesn't really if she she might sniff something like a new toy or something but she would not play with it she's uh, she's not even bothered by catnip either she's just very chill she's very chill she's happy when she's with me basically yeah it's interesting about um toys and and, and sort of getting cats to play because my cat's not the most sort of enthusiastic when it comes to toys you yeah. have to do it uh, she she will be certain ones, but it's very specific, and she seems like she's like up for playing with some and then not others. And I don't know, Nikki, is that like um, is it an age thing for a cat? Is it 
I don't know. Is it just a personality thing or is it just that in maybe I'm not trying trying hard enough? I'm not too sure. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I am though. I'm putting I put so much effort in like with it. I'm running around. Yeah, the, the that's house what she and, likes though. Yeah, and the, she's watching you put the effort in and then she's like, What a moron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Oh. Honestly, I'm trying I'm, especially with the you know, the fishing rods and stuff and I'm moving them around and I'm mm. then running, I'm saying to her, Come on, come on, this is great and she's like you say, she's looking at me like to say, yeah, it doesn't look great, mate, to be honest, the way you're doing it. So yeah, Nikki, is anything that you know, because I do think it's probably quite a big problem for a lot of cat owners to actually get their cats to be more active. Any any tips on how to make it a little bit easier and more attainable? So I do think that um personality comes into it for sure. So like you said, Chris, if you've got a chilled cat who's just interested in watching, not really in much engaging it can be much more challenging than those that are naturally more interested in it. It does vary with age, but that said, I still know 20 year old cats that will happily, you know, play vigorously and hunt and all sorts of things. So it really varies in terms of encouraging cats to play. They've got different play styles. So if you're going for the wrong style without realizing it, that could be where a lot of people are coming unstun. So I used to have two cats, my previous pair, one cat really liked stuff in the air. The other one couldn't care less. Whereas the, that other cat would much rather have things on the floor and then that one was then when they're interested so Adam I suspect you might be being a bit vigorous in your play with the cat and you might need to just, just tone it down it's slightly. Chill. <laughs> enthusiastic <laughs> is probably enthusiastic. the best way of putting it yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so if you sort of um do this sort of string under the door thing which obviously has to be supervised but where the cat's on one side with the end of the string and you're on the other side and you just really slowly tease it through it's a really simple game and then just a slight jerky movements and keep it still for like a while and then jerk it again just a tiny little bit and sometimes something as simple as that can make a difference rather than running about some cats absolutely love it and live their best life with that and others just need it a bit more slow and then a sudden jerk and then a bit like a mouse freezing and then having a quick run yeah now now you've put it like that Nikki <laughs> my cat she's so tiny as well and having like a six foot three hairy bloke charging around the house going come on this is fun i can imagine it'd be vaguely terrifying for her to be honest so yeah i might i might just talk down just a little bit and see if uh, he's uh, a little bit more successful it sounds like the average dog though would absolutely love that and be like Woo, yeah okay. i just want her to be happy do you know what i mean i'm not like, do anything to try and make her make her be happy and yeah i know and we all do and that's the thing i think sometimes we just end up doing things slightly the wrong way without realizing it like we've all done it where we play far too close to the cat's face for example and they can only they can't see very well under 25 centimeters because they're more far-sighted so they really need things slightly further away from them and then that kind of keeping still sudden quiver and then mad dash to hide behind another bit of furniture so chris tell us a little bit about you know what the average day would be like for uh, lady marmalade has she got a favorite place in the house has she got like you know a, a favorite kind of chill out spot like what's she all about what's her day-to-day -day routine it changes all the time is it that's another such a weird thing about her. Um, currently, she is lying on my bathroom floor. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no, there's nothing comfy about it whatsoever. Um, I have a conservatory, so some days when it's really warm, she likes to lie in there. Um, but she no, she doesn't have a particular spot. And um, I'm actually quite glad when she is nowhere near where I hang out um, because she molts so much so much and uh, i think that is the only downside of having a cat is the cat fur the molting thing though <laughs> is like when i got my cat ruby and i thought brilliant she doesn't molt uh, i've hit the jackpot oh this is amazing uh, and then 
I left the house in like a black black t-shirt and my jeans. And I looked and there was just fur all over me. But in the actual house itself, it wasn't really evident. Do you know what I mean? I made, I thought, oh, brilliant, this is amazing. But she clearly does because I now just have to live with everything that I own. Even even when I've done the washing, I take out the washing machine and it's dried. By the time it's dried, it's got cat eyes all over over it. I don't know, that's a thing. But yeah, I mean... With, with with the malting side of things, uh, Nikki, what I've never really understood that it's just it's a constant process. It just it's just always happening, is it? It does, but it happens at sort of seasonal as well. So it's more more common at certain times of the year when they sort of sort of shed the old coat and get a new coat. Um, that said, if you were going out in black trousers and black jeans, you need a short-haired black cat like I've got. <laughs> yeah, well, and then that's problem solved. So <laughs> yeah, do you know that's a, that's a great shout. To be fair, I mean, my cat's semi-long-haired as well, so yeah, I don't that's know why. It's so naive that I thought she didn't mull. I don't know why I thought that, but yeah, as soon as I got the the daylight hit me and I was in all black, I was like, oh yeah, she does. Yeah, um, you need a cat that suits your fashion. Didn't yeah. you realise? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know. Yeah, I know. I need, I, and the thing is, I, I wear black most of the time, so I was like, right. it's not, it's not ideal for a cat owner, really. Um, so, Chris, am I right in thinking that your cat went missing a few years ago? I can't imagine what that must have uh, been like. It was hideous, absolutely hideous. Because she's not an outdoor cat. She, but she decided to go out my bedroom window one night, and it's out the front of the house. And if she ever did go out the back. Um, go outside it would be into the garden out the back of the house so I just thought well she doesn't know where she is as soon as she steps out of this window she won't know where she is and and it was terrifying and I just thought no she'll come back she'll come back she'll cats are smart they sent their way back or whatever and um yeah five days later <laughs> she came back through that window her her um paws are really sore so she'd obviously been trapped somewhere and was trying to get out. Oh, it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I'm, I can't imagine. And I and I just thought she was going to be like someone would call me and say that she'd been found run over or something because um, Wilhelm, who I'd rescued from London, a London centre and brought to Cornwall, he died on the road where I was living um, a few months before I got Lady. So I just thought that's it. I've lost another cat on this road, but she came back. She came back. This the thing is that my cat's an, in, an indoor oh. cat as well, Chris. And I think that I've got friends and I know people who have got cats that do go out and they seem a lot more relaxed about it and it, they're a lot more sort of trusting of their own cats. So it's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you know, he or she, they'll just go out. And I'm there thinking, I cannot imagine my cat going. Because I'm it's like, she'll have no clue what to do. She's not used to it. She, you know, she'll just be wandering off. And I don't know, I've got this, and I'm so paranoid about leaving doors or windows open. And, I, and I'm just, the thought of her going missing. I always see, like, you know, missing cat posts on social media. And I just think, oh, my God, I can't, oh, the thought of that. Does she want to go out there, do, do, do you think? No, I mean, she's she's quite, she likes looking out of windows and, okay. and she's intrigued by it, but she doesn't, I don't think she's got that massive desire to go out. I mean, she's not like scratching at doors to get out or anything. Right. She's just okay. vaguely intrigued. Like if I go outside into the garden, I do let her go in the back garden because it's quite, enclo- it's very enclosed and it's quite safe. But I'm I'm very like a guard. I, I know I'm sort of walking behind her and she don't, she's like, looking at me to say like dad just get off my back will you and I'm like going don't go down there you know you can't go in. oh okay you're too near the fence there and I'm like an overprotective parent but yeah. I don't know if it's something to do with the fact that having an indoor cat makes you a little bit more worried about about it I mean Nikki I, I'm quite intrigued by by this in terms of cats going missing indoor cats are they as kind of 
clueless about the surroundings as I think they are, or are they, do you have the natural instinct that would kick in? No, I think it is difficult because they haven't got that experience, like as Chris said, of like the whole surroundings of like your house, for example, to really have a lay of the land. Um, so it can be, I think, more challenging for indoor-only cats if they do get outside to go missing, which is why we always recommend that they're microchipped anyway and vaccinated, just in case. Whereas, yeah, a cat that has is regularly going out, they will get to know their surroundings a lot more and it'll be easier for them to come home. Uh, that said, yeah, cats are really adaptable. Um, they're also really good at going to find other people to feed them. So um, <laughs> they do that quite a lot, which again is where microchipping is really good because then hopefully someone will take them to the vets or somebody with a scanner to then, you know, identify that they're, they're actually owned and return them to the rightful owner. And do you know what? I just want to pick up on something that Chris said there when I was mentioning that my cat's an indoor cat and Chris said, oh, she want to go outside. How would I know? I know it sounds stupid, but would it be a case <laughs> of like she'd be scratching at the doors and, and that kind of thing? Because I, I hate the idea that I'm de- I hate the idea of denying her something that she wants. Do, do you know what I mean? But I, I don't feel like she's got the desire to want to go outside, but I just hope I'm not reading it wrong. Yeah, and that's the thing that their cats all are individuals. So some cats just won't want to go outside. Some cats will be too nervous and find it a bit scary going outside. So I think you're right. And basically, if they're not scratching at the door to go out and pacing back and forth by the door, and then they're probably happy indoor only as they are. Um, and also, I know for a fact, Adam, that your cat will be completely pampered. And you, like you said, you're already trying to do all the different things to impress her and play with her and keep her mentally stimulated. And that's what it's about when you've got indoor only cats. She's got a good life indoors, honestly. She's got like, a good life. She'd be thinking yeah. like, I can't get much better than this if I go outside, surely. I've made yeah. it. I've made it like... A cat heaven inside. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like she'd be really foolish if she wanted to leave there. Trust me. One thing I do want to kind of touch upon, um, Chris, is I suppose the support that your cat's probably given you throughout your life. Because obviously you've been living with uh, stage four cancer since two thousand and nine, um, mm-hmm. and I imagine that your cat's played a really important part in your life. Because I do think there's such a, you know, a huge part in terms of mental health as well, and and, and everything that's associated with that. So. Just how important have cats been, you know, in terms of your life? Massively. And I think because I've always had a cat in my life and I don't know any different, I think also during teenage years or, you know, any dramas in life before cancer, a cat has been there to cuddle. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so for me to have cancer without a cat, would it just be impossible? I very much, I mean, when I was first diagnosed, um, we decided we'd get a kitten because <laughs> that, I think that was a silly mistake because like, a, a kitten doesn't cure anything really and if anything it's just absolute chaos and um, <laughs> and yeah you've got something else to worry about great but my mum ended up keeping her when I moved out and um, started running the charity full-time in London and and that's when I adopted um, my own cat but yeah, coming home from hospital, I mean, I live on my own. So just having that presence in the house is so important. And I think because she is very aware of how I am, she knows when things aren't good and she'll come to me. And that's, now that I'm talking about it, I really think like I f- sometimes forget just how important that is and that bond is. And unless you have a cat, I just don't think you understand. <laughs> I completely agree. I think there's so, so many common misconceptions about, you know, cats being aloof and they don't care and, you know, they're just yeah. exactly. And I, I actually think after becoming a cat owner myself, 
and experiencing it firsthand. I just think they're very, very affectionate. I, I think mm. I, obviously you know there are there's in, you know each cat's individual, but generally speaking, I think you get so much back from them. And I do think mm-hmm. there's a massive there's a lot to be said for the fact that cats kind of know. I do think I do think that, and I think that until you actually have a cat, it's very hard to kind of know what we mean when we say that. But I've, I've done yeah. it before when I've got in from somewhere and you're stressed out or you're worried about something and the cat completely, like Ruby, she, she more of had her, the more she's like kind of bec- has become more of a lap cat. But when I'm feeling particularly sort of down about something or whatever, she instantly knows and she'll come straight over. Yeah. And it's just, it's just amazing. So do you think that for you, that's just been a huge part of dealing with things and, and, and yeah, you know. Coping. Yeah. Yeah. Having a cat. When people say, how have you managed to survive this long or, you know, cope with having cancer for so long? I mean, having a cat isn't the only thing, of course, but having a cat is definitely on the list. Right up there on the list. And and a rescue cat at that, because there's something I think quite special about a rescue cat. There's a sense of, oh, my God, you love me. I didn't think I'd ever be loved again. And uh, I've, I've had cats since being kittens. And that appreciation of love is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> I've not experienced that from having a cat from a kitten. So um, a rescue cat is something special. And Nikki, do you, I know it's, it's probably quite hard to tell, but do you think cats do know in those situations that, you know, yeah. you, as, you as an owner need that little bit of, I suppose it's comfort really that mm. they give. I think so. And that's why we've got the National Cat Awards every year, because we have so many entries with all these amazing examples um, from all over the country um, and lots of different scenarios as well, where cats have genuinely helped out people. And it seems to go beyond like just the other ways of explaining it. So um, I do think cats now, I think they are much more intuitive than people realise. And like Chris says, you know, when you live with one, you know, I mean, my own example was like, and when I was growing up as a child, my cat would sleep in my bed every night and he would always be there in the morning and we used to walk down to breakfast together. And that was the routine. And one night I woke up and he wasn't on the bed and I was like, oh, no. But by morning time, he was back on the bed and he waited until we went down to breakfast together. And he was always there. If I was upset about anything, he would then come over and he'd come sit with me. And and the having listening to the sort of the purr, it's just really calming and reassuring and he was my best friend, you know, you, and especially your children. I think everybody does, but children particularly, like you you talk to your cat and you tell them things you wouldn't tell other people, that unconditional love that they can bring. There's just something that they give that we sometimes struggle with other people. Yeah, it's like a, it's like an extra outlet, isn't it, in some ways? Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about anyone else, but I sometimes feel like you can, it sounds strange, but I think to other people who, who have got cats, they'll get it, but you can kind of open up a little bit a bit more and, yeah. and and sort of show your emotions almost and, and just be yourself like if I get in and it's you know it's just me and my cat and I'll often and you just think that I can be fully relaxed okay it's just me the cat say I can chill out I can you know just completely unwind and the cat really helps me with that like unwinding I think is a, is a massive part of it that, that cats and they help just by sitting there <laughs> like do you know what yeah. I mean it's like that yeah. literally just the presence I just think instantly makes the whole sort of atmosphere in the room, karma. And there's no judgment from cats yeah. as well. As much as people joke that there is, there isn't any judgment from animals. And that's another thing where you can literally reveal your deepest fears or your biggest dreams to a cat. 
and you don't have to worry about how they're going to take the news or anything like that you can just be yourself and you can't measure that can you you mentioned the uh, the national cat awards uh, there nikki uh, chris you were obviously there this year i i our mm. paths didn't actually cross i was there doing a bit of hosting and stuff on on the uh, yeah. on the day itself but um i know you were you were there weren't you yeah it's great isn't it what a day it was great so great <gasps> i loved it and I, I was like i like you just said about the um winners of the cat awards i was not expecting to feel such emotion about these cats and the impact that they've had i knew that they'd be like legendary cats but the stories of the winners was just really incredible and we need to showcase that a bit more i feel deeply that yeah animals are good caregivers and emotional support for people who are dealing with any kind of illness and um I think there needs to be more access to animals in hospitals <laughs> and hospices. I mean, some hospices absolutely do allow animals in, but not all of them. I recently had a dog come to the chemo unit at my hospital and that was really nice, but it's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, if if there had been like this herd of cats coming in, then I would have just, I don't know, I would have made my day so great. Not that I'm missing the dog, but I guess you just can't train cats in the same way that you can with dogs. Yeah, I think what it is as well, it, it's that kind of thing of like, uh, it, it lifts people's spirits, doesn't it, as well? I oh, think, I think like, you know, there's so many times when I've been in a mood or I've been angry about something or just stressed or whatever, and then I just come in and I'm, you know, I'm raging or whatever. I come back, I'm like, oh, and I walk in and see my cat and I'm like, oh, hello, how are you doing? Okay. And then, <laughs> I then like, just imagine that. Literally, like two minutes later, I'm like... <laughs> Oh yeah, I was meant to be angry about something. What was it? Like, oh, I don't matter because my cat's here now. Um, now, speaking of uh, the way I just was speaking there, Chris, I think that everyone has like a, a cat voice that they kind of adopt when they speak to the cat. I, I strongly believe that, that people will deny it, but I think secretly when no one else is there, they do have a little voice that they kind of communicate with their cat using. Don't know if you do yourself. Um, you do. No, I actually don't. Of course don't. you do. I, I talk to her like I would any other human. <laughs> so do you I, really? That's no joke. Um, it's not even a little bit more like you're talking to a baby or something. She's also quite deaf. Right, okay. So from, it's more visual. I need to actually just be right in front of her for her to understand stuff. Yeah, I think her, in her old age, she's gotten, unless it's selective hearing, but I'm pretty sure she's actually gone quite deaf. So when you say more visual, what do you mean? Do you do like... <laughs> sign language? No. <laughs> cat sign language. You can do sign language with cats. You can teach them. Oh, can you? Great. Yeah. Like a, like a modified version, obviously. But even like that for eating, you can teach them that. <gasps> I don't think you can tra train this old cat new tricks. So what does Lady Marmalade know then in terms of the... like the? And well, no, it's more a case of when I used to come home from somewhere, she used to come running to me, but she doesn't hear it anymore. So I have to be right in front of her for her to understand that I'm home. Things like that. Right. So I could, even if I, I mean, even if I used... Any kind of language with her, she just wouldn't really understand. Like she, she can't hear. But do you not, do you not talk um, to her. Like you do talk to her, though. but even if she can't yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah. If anything, the person, the human uh, the animal communicator that I spoke to, she's like, you need to speak to her more. When you leave the house, you need to tell her that you're leaving and that you are coming back. And I've started doing that. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do that. I'll be back soon. I'll see you later. So yeah, well, I'll be, I'll be coming. And then when I go back, I'm back. I'm back. And then she runs down the stairs and she's excited. Aww. But also, I, I have obviously on this podcast revealed what my cat voice is like numerous times to different guests. Do you want to hear it, Chris? Yeah, please. Yeah, please I'm just like, uh, Ruby, I am and i just like it's excitable <laughs> it's quite high pitch it's like it, you, you know i imagine that you i've not got any kids but i imagine that's what you talk to a baby like but the good thing is nikki actually backed me up on this because i'm nikki i'm sure you said that cats are a bit more responsive to that sort of higher sort of tone the higher yeah. pitch is that right yeah definitely and as i also said they pick up that that different tone is intended for them and so the kind of usual yeah. background chatter they know it's not aimed at them and they they just sort of learn the associations between like when you're look at them, direct it towards them, and then maybe it's followed up with food or attention or something, they're like, oh, that's that's the voice that's for me. So then when they hear it, they're like, they pick it up. And the same way they learn the tone for their their name and all sorts of things. I had my previous two cats, they knew each other's names and they'd not respond to the other cats just their own. Um... So I could call them individually and do like their own recalls. So it was really good. Do you know what was great as well? When you when you did tell me about that, Nikki, it made me feel better that I was doing that voice. And then I explained it to my friends because they were like, "What what's that voice you're doing when you when you're speaking to your cat?" And I'm like, "There's actually science behind it, guys." Um, yeah, it's like I've been told by a cat behaviorist that they do respond to the, so I have to do it. Like otherwise, the cat might really. Not. So yeah, I'm so glad that you helped me justify using that voice. So I do thank you for that. No um, problem. That the fact it's a safe space, and you know that everyone else is pretty much doing it. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to take a little pause uh, for a moment. Uh, Chris, you're going to be staying with us uh, because next on Cat's Got Your Tongue, we're going to be going through your cat's tales. Okay, now on Cat's Got Your Tongue, it's time for your cat's tales. This is where we get to hear from you uh, with your questions about cats, your success stories, uh, your feline disasters, basically anything from the world of cats, we're here to help. So um, a good place to start for cat's tales is with yourself, Chris. Have you got anything you want to uh, share with us about the world of cats or your own cat? Um, I sometimes forget how much she's loved by the wide world um, because I obviously share a lot of, well, pictures and videos of her online. But, I mean, not loads, but people are aware of her and I've written about her in my book. And, yeah, so she's she's got some status. And um, recently I've uh, got a palliative nurse um who basically is amazing and helps me with medications and other cancer admin and stuff didn't realize how amazing they were um until I got um Siobhan um everyone needs a palliative care nurse and uh she was telling her I guess colleagues about me and not in a only so much she could say because I am a patient of hers but uh and she was doing a bit of research about Copperfield and stuff and and her colleague said yeah but crucially have you met Lady Marmalade (laughs) (laughs) and Siobhan was like what she I mean there was a cat on her lap when I was at her house and she's like oh that's Lady Marmalade you met Lady Marmalade and uh, she just couldn't believe the hype of uh for this cat um so and I think I forget sometimes too but she's yeah she's great she's great that, that's so surreal isn't it I, I always find it quite funny as well that like 
your cat will just be so blissfully unaware of that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like she's just carrying on her day day to day routine and going. People have seen you on Instagram and people are asking about you. <laughs> she's like, yeah. what? Oh, okay, or maybe she does know. And she's like, I'm just going to lick myself because this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> too much attention. Uh, too, much, too much. Too med- much. Someone too much media me. spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me have a day off, please. Yeah, uh, too no, shy, but I, I'm too she, yeah, very photogenic cat, though. To be fair, like yeah. she's a she's she a very very lovely is. cat. Okay, we're going to um, move on to our uh, next cat's tale. Uh, let's hear from Katie. Hello, Katie. Hi, Adam and Nikki. I'm Katie. I've been seeing a lot of advice on TikTok about cats, and with how much information is out there, it feels a bit overwhelming. How do I know what's true and what's not? Mm, that's interesting that i think that's something that i've noticed um a lot more i don't know about if you've seen this chris but you know on like tiktok or instagram reels there's quite a lot of people you know sharing things like five things you didn't know about cats or you know if your cat does this it loves you or all these different ones that and as soon as you see it i'm kind of like oh is that true or not like how do we know what to trust on this nikki because there is a lot of like misinformation out there isn't there yeah, it's the uh, the joys and fails of the internet, isn't it? That there's absolutely anything on there, and and it's not regulated really at all. So um, it can be really hard for people to realise like, is this good content? Is it not? Um, but would would recommend is looking towards the reptile animal charities such as Cats Protection and also International Cat Care for your cat content as well. Um, particularly because if there's trends that go out, we tend to put out statements as well. So for example. Um, the recent one with um, Taylor Swift, like dancing to the Taylor Swift song and and lifting the cat up and swinging them around underneath their front arms, front arms, front legs. <laughs> People know their arms, but legs. Yeah. Um, but it's really detrimental to cat welfare. Like that is not a good thing to do to a cat at all. Um, and so we're sort of very much encouraging people to not do that and not engage with that content. Um, but also we ourselves as, as a cat charity, we're putting out our own content. So again, following our TikTok channel, to get your tips on how to know if your cat loves you or not. And then you know that it's from a reputable source and um, you've got sort of cat experts behind the scenes or even just on TikTok giving you that information. Yeah, because like I said, there is so, I see so much because my, my algorithm on all social media is just about 95% cats and 5% food, um, which is pretty, <laughs> pretty, it's, it's quite a good s- summary of Great. my life, to, yeah, be honest, yeah. you know, to be fair. Um, so I see so much on there and it's like, people talking but there's no like indication of their credentials or do you know what I mean I'm like and but the thing is I just think sometimes the way that we consume social media now as well is that like it's almost like you see something you believe it like do you know what I mean I think people yeah. often go oh, oh oh okay yeah that must be someone's made a video of it it's true you know so I just think like you say just do a bit more digging delve a little bit deeper into where it's come from what they're saying who's saying it and and look for the reputable kind of charities Definitely. I think credentials is a really important one as well, because it's one that often gets missed. Um, so, for example, if they're putting out behavior content, the person really does need to be if they're going to be a qualified behaviorist, it's level six, which is a degree or equivalent qualification. Um, and then they should be registered with like a, a reputable practitioner organization um, and ultimately for UK under the Animal Behavior and um, Training Council. So um, that way, you know, that they've got the qualification to back up and the experience, um, everything, because there are people that have been on TV before who remain nameless. But when you really do some digging, they're not qualified at all. They're just 
got famous and said some stuff about cat behavior. Yeah, yeah. So just the... And there's dog behaviors as well. Like, well, people saying they're dog behaviors when they're not. Yeah, so hopefully that clears it up a little bit for Katie. Uh, our next cat's tale comes from Daniela, who was uh, sent us an email. So uh, let's see what Daniela's saying. So she says that she lives in a flat with her cat, Pablo. He's a house cat, and she's always wondered if they have a good life just as much as cats who are outdoors do. Also, where's the best place to put the little box, and where should they be placed in the house? Which is, do you know what? I, I'm actually really intrigued by this because let's tackle the first question about Pablo living indoors. Do they get the sense that they're missing out, or do they just not know any better? So it depends on the individual cat. You know, some cats will be fine living indoors, and other cats will much prefer to have the outdoor access. Um, as to whether they get the sense of what they're missing out with, I think some cats do. Um, and that's why you see them pacing at the door or scratching to get out. Um, I know some people, for example, that have had an indoor-only cat for many years and then make, you know, maybe they move house, for example, and it's got a garden and they want to let the cat out for the first time and really nervous. But for those cat people, I would say cats are super adaptable. And as long as you do it gradually, um, then they really thrive having the 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 access it's harder to have a cat that's had outdoor access their whole life and then go to being indoorly that's more challenging but it can be done with making sure they've got enough uh, mental stimulation lots of uh, resources around the place lots of place to hide basically everything that they need which then brings me on to litter trays and litter tray placement so it needs to be somewhere accessible um but private it's a little bit like people to be honest you want a toilet where you can get to it easily but also you are private you're not going to be like busted on by anybody else um and they need to be clean just like we like it so um they need to be cleaned out sort of once or twice a day some cats will need it done after every deposit and they, people are always like oh she's such a princess for wanting that and it's not at all because we think we flush every time so <laughs> why would the cat not want that too so um making sure it's yeah it's nice and clean so some common pitfalls loads of people putting litter trays next to their cat flaps um people have different reasons for it i've heard people saying they want a loo with a view or they want um they're too lazy to go any further into the house but it's not actually true they just they need it much more away from the busy areas anywhere that they might be overlooked by other cats so cat flaps not great because they might be looked over by another cat from outside so they need to be somewhere private um everyone's different so there's kind of like general cat principles and then it's like how it fits into the individual owner's life but um like if you're happy having a litter tray in your bathroom then the average cat's fine with that too um as long as you keep the door open so they can actually get to it whenever they want um but yeah or, or a quiet bedroom or somewhere that like i say they can take themselves off do what they need to do and then carry on i just think it's mad how they just know me do you know what i mean like how they <laughs> like they just like when we first got Ruby and obviously she just found the litter tray just on her own. I know it's obviously a developmental thing, but I don't know. I just find, still find it even, I think even like really young cats as well. Like they, they just have this kind of, how, how is that a thing? Like how do they, do they learn it from being a kitten or not? Cause I've, I've never had a kitten you see. Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah. So it's really important. They learn their, um, what type of litter they like as a young kitten. So that will be the preference that will generally persist with them throughout life. The difficulty is that most people have no idea what the kittens use when in that sort of two to seven weeks. Um, but yeah, it is amazing. They will learn naturally from the mother cat. And so if they watch her use the litter tray, that will encourage them to do it themselves. But she doesn't even pick them up and put them in. They just naturally gravitate towards it. And then they feel it underneath their paws and go to the toilet. So 
I've done a bit of hand rearing of kittens and when there's no mother they still know if you put a litter tray in there to go over and then just start toileting it and it like you say it's incredible to watch and I'm like so proud like, oh you're doing it it's amazing yeah, I, just, I don't yeah. have to do anything special I don't have to pick them up and put them in they just do it so yeah I've just always found it really like just wow like, I don't know it's yeah it, like an instinctive behavior yeah yeah, yeah. and it's just yeah it's, it's, it's bizarre but obviously great uh okay we've got a um Final Cat's Tale, which comes from the British comic Jake Lambert, who I actually met at the National Cat Awards this year. He's a great guy. And he's got a little story about his cat called Richard, or Richard Parker, to give him his full title. From Life of Pi. When he first was shot, I put a sign up on all, all the trees down my street, warning other cat owners. I lived next to this elderly lady, and her carer came out and saw She was like, oh, that's your cat. She was like... She, like the lady she looks after, she goes, she loves him. He, he comes into her kitchen every day. She's wondered where he'd been. They always hang out. And she was saying that sometimes he's the only visitor she has all day. I was like, oh, how nice. She, she, he's just got this other life. But what I have got, I can look out over the other houses out of mine, sort of have a look out on the balcony. He doesn't know I can see him, I don't think. And I've seen him just go onto other people's balconies and just sort of meow at their window. I don't know if he's got places he goes and he doesn't know I've seen this happen. But he always comes back. That's the main thing. He always comes back. So that's quite a common thing, isn't it, with, with cats? I've, I suppose everyone's had a cat turn up at the house asking for food before. Obviously, Chris, you've got experience of that from when you were younger, where your mm. home just seemed to be sort of like just a, a hotel where cats could just yeah. kind of turn up whenever they wanted to, really. Yeah. 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 Um, is, it, is it purely motivated by food, that then, Nikki? Not necessarily. So a lot of the cases it's food, but then others, um, it might be company. Um, it might be that they just literally have their set routines. So they're like, right, this house at this particular time. And they like to just do the rounds, like the social rounds, if you like. Others will be just seeking a bit of peace and quiet. So if people have got a particularly busy household, lots of pets and children, that's when you'll notice they're going to like, you know, say that the older lady who's by herself and they just want a peace and quiet with that person. A bit of fuss. So it varies. Um, but it isn't always the case that they're, as, as we all know, that they're just sort of stray cats that aren't aren't loved because we all know that some of our very well-loved cats are still going out and <laughs> chatting to all the neighbours. Yeah. Uh, Chris, have you had uh, any cats turn up at the place where you are now? I know. I think Lady Marmalade just gives off this awful vibe. Like, don't you dare come near, <laughs> near me. Um, or this house, or the garden, or anywhere near. Um <laughs> I think that's genuinely what she's giving off. But this sometimes I wish she, she would go out more just so that she'd poo in the garden instead of in my house. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't, I haven't seen any cats, which is a shame because I'd, I'd love it if there was more cats around here. Yeah, I've had, I've, I've walked into uh, Ruby and I've got a conservatory at the back of my house as well and she likes looking out of there. It's all like a really small back garden, but sometimes neighbours' cats and stuff will jump over and sometimes I, like, I walk in and I see her and she's staring. She's having a staring competition with, yeah. with a cat outside. And, yeah, sometimes I have to just say to her, look, all right, okay, it's fine. Calm down, chill out. So, yeah, she, I, I've got a feeling she warns off a lot of cats. Is that something... Would, would other cats kind of get... Obviously, because I know the scent wouldn't necessarily be there, Nikki, because, you know, it's an indoor cat, but would it maybe deter cats from coming in if, if they see... A cat oh, in yeah. The house. yeah definitely the, the, the death stare is alive and present <laughs> and yeah most cats learn to respect that my previous cat had the the world's best death stare i swear and it worked really far away mm. and so he yeah same thing i sit in the conservatory and then just like 
looking at them <laughs> intensely into the other cat just was like oh and you can just see the look of sheer panic when they suddenly realize yeah. <laughs> there's someone watching and then they disappear and what's really interesting is cats are very quick when that cat's is no longer there you know whether they've gone to the vets temporarily or even if they've passed away sadly then other cats and they it literally takes like less than a day for them all to sort of move in and have all the dynamics and their daily routines to change um, and this is why if cats have a longer stay at the vets it can really cause havoc with their social life or anti-social life when they come home and have to then re-establish all those territories mm. yeah no it's interesting yeah i don't think like ruby doesn't like to uh to play even from a distance um so chris one final thing that i want to ask that we tend to ask everyone on cats got your tongue is that i'd like to know what the best thing is about owning a cat it's uh, certainly from lady marmalade that unconditional love and i i mean i don't mind conditions either and i think i, I think cats do have some conditions which i quite like about cats and um that then they're, they're not anyone's like they have to know when the human is right for them and i'm right for her and that means a lot and um she has helped me get through some of the hardest days of my life so very grateful to her and you know i will protect that for as long as i can amazing that's a good place um to uh, end this week's episode of Cats Got Your Tongue in association with Cats Protection. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been uh, amazing to have you on Cats Got Your Tongue today. I've loved it. Yeah, it's been so fun. And what a joy to talk about cats for an hour. Oh, great. Yeah, it's so uh, much fun. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll see you at the National Cat Awards yes, next year. definitely. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Chris. Thank Thanks, you. Nikki. Thanks Nikki, as well. Thank you. And don't forget, remember to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, tell your friends who have got cats or who love cats all about us. Share the podcast. Give us a review as well. And if you want to get in touch and share your own cat's tale, don't forget you can. Give us a shout, pod at cats.org.uk. We'll see you next time on Cats Got Your Tongue.